Okay, back once again for another installment of Startwell's Conversation Series. This time, we're on camera. We're also on the mic. Uh, this will probably get uh, find its way onto iTunes uh, and through our syndicated audio partners for uh, our podcast, the Startwell Podcast, uh, as well as uh, onto Facebook. Not live this time. We're doing a live session this afternoon, uh, but we'll try and get this up soon. Uh, I'm Kasim, Startwell's CEO. Uh, for this session, I'm in the studio at our King Street main uh, location. We call it main campus in downtown Toronto on King Street West. In the studio uh, this time around with Kareem Harji, a friend of mine who is um, an impact investor. And I'm really excited to hear more about what defines impact investing, uh, what are the metrics for success for investments, all the stuff that you've been working on, mm -hmm. as well as um, learn more about uh, your, I guess you as an educator, we haven't caught up yet too yeah. much on the new course that you're teaching at Oxford University. Yeah. Um, so let's just jump into it right away okay. uh, and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Well, it's great to be here and uh, yeah, welcome everyone. Um, as you know, I've been part of the Starwell community now for I guess a year. Yeah. Can so you believe already, it? Yeah, we lasted. Yeah, we lasted. It's a startup that's on its trajectory to that's an right. IPO. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's well, working well. Maybe not. Well, well, it's getting there. It's getting there. <laughs> uh, so, by way of background, like you, you know, from Kenya, uh, from Mombasa, and right. uh, Mombasa for our listeners is yeah, Mombasa is an awesome piece of uh, of coastline <laughs> along the East African coast. Yeah, essentially thirty the, degrees all year round. So yeah. it's not a bad place to it's to a grow up. Fantastic place to grow um, up. I'm sure. Yeah, and you know, moved here for school, um, and so have been over the last, I guess. You know, 15 years or so working in this area um, of impact investing, um, which is really based on the idea that we we think about investments all the time in terms of the financial returns that that investments make. Of course, make. of course. Uh, but People we all know that it's about more than just the the money. You know, every investment has some kind of impact on on people, on the planet, and so impact investment is really this way of thinking about investments that both. You know, want to make money, but also try and make the world better in right. some way. And right. so whether it's getting, you know, good jobs or better jobs, whether it's having a positive impact on the environment, um, whether it is trying to advance new solutions or innovations in areas like education, health, um, food, etc. So the premise of impact investing is that you don't necessarily have to choose between making money and making the world a better place there are ways in which you can creatively invest to get both um, and so that's what i've spent the last uh you know 15 years or so thinking about uh, working on started a company um several years ago uh and uh you know have now kind of moved what on since then uh, purpose capital purpose so purpose capital. capital uh did that for about seven years what was uh, the the mandate of purpose capital so purpose capital worked with um foundations, uh, high net worths, governments, banks, to help them think about this area. Mm. Uh, because, for example, many banks are noticing that their clients are asking for these kinds of investments. So the average person who donates you know, to a cause, who maybe shops in a certain way that respects kind of the environment or, or local kind of norms, is also thinking about how to invest in ways that... Uh, Socially yeah. conscious investing. Yeah. It's interesting because yeah. like, most money managers don't even think this way. No, you know, no. let alone at the major banks and even in boutique investment firms, they're yeah. thinking about uh, risk uh, versus reward. Yeah, and uh, you've got you know two products exactly. essentially. Yeah. You've got 
single investments, ETFs. We figure out what works there, and it's all about profit maximization and de-risking your your investment portfolio. Yeah, and that is beginning to change as we see more and more innovations and companies that are deliberately targeting social or environmental issues mm-hmm. and can make money off of that. Right. And the flip side of that is that you're seeing a lot of investments now where the environmental and social issues are no longer just an externality or a byproduct. Mm-hmm. You know, if you ignore them, they actually could hurt your profitability if you're a public company. Right. Um, and so this is not just about reputation management. It's really about how companies create value and for whom they create value. So, you know, there there are now large public companies, but also a lot of private companies that are thinking actively about this, not only in Canada, but, you know, in the U.S., in the developing world, um, that are taking what we might consider social issues. Um, For example, you know, recycling is a classic kind of industry in that there's one version of that that says, oh, we've got an environmental problem, you know, how do we fix it? Mm -hmm. The other is, is taking a business lens and saying, if there's all this byproduct, how do we think about reusing, recycling, you know, upcycling? There are lots of variations now um, of what you could do with what would have been considered waste. Right now, we are thinking about the business opportunity around that. So, there's not only new products and services to be built out of that, but there is capital that mm-hmm. is actively trying to look for these kinds of solutions. So that's you know quite exciting, and the space has grown quite a bit in the U.S. and in Canada. Yeah, but the growth rates have actually been much greater actually outside of Canada which is interesting so we've got an industry here now you know we've got some of the large banks credit unions government um, foundations all engaged Mm -hmm. um, but that's only continuing to grow so it's an exciting time definitely Um, how are companies or since you founded purpose which was how many years ago it's been now nine years ago eight nine years ago yeah so in the past decade let's say yeah um, how have you seen within Canada um, the landscape change where entrepreneurs, and there's also been a bit of a generational yep. evolution in who are starting new businesses as yep. well, but if you could draw on a couple of trends that you've uh, realized, yep. uh, you know, what are the, the kind of topical um, things that you've you've seen where the culture of new companies may be changing towards being relevant to people's um, values and their morals and their connection to the earth and other people around the world in and out of the country all this sort of stuff yeah i think the first one as you've pointed out you know there there seems to be not only for the kind of classic millennials but Mm -hmm. virtually for every segment now there's some evidence that people are more cognizant that they can start businesses that align with their values and they can make money doing it. Right. Whereas in the past, the traditional model of make lots of money and then when you're old and gray, like give it away right. in philanthropy. I think people are impatient and people also recognize that they can use the existing business assets and skills in ways that can do both. You can make money and and deliver a, a you know compelling product or service. Uh, it's also a way to attract employees mm-hmm. and to keep them. And so, again, for people that are looking for jobs, again, the classic millennials, but, but also every other age group, sure. they want to work for companies that, that matter. They want to work for companies that have some kind of purpose beyond just selling, you know, as that kind of the widget. classic Pepsi kind of critique that Steve Jobs used to use, like, you know, sugar, it's just water. sugar water, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. How do company, how do you feel proud of coming to work every day? So that's, I think, another piece around attracting and retaining the best talent which is increasingly global 
the value proposition has to be much more than you're going to make lots of money. The, the, the other side of that is you'll feel good about it, but also it will have a positive impact on other people's lives. And it's interesting. So that's, you know, capital deployed correctly yeah. can help facilitate new business models that affect society, which otherwise may have not uh, right. been able to do. Yeah. And at the same time, looking behind the camera, the questions I have are numerous, but, mm -hmm. uh, you know, to do with the availability of capital, because yeah. we're seeing so many things in Canada right now in terms of the availability of capital or uh, the fluid availability of capital flowing larger than it ever has uh, out of, you know, um, somewhat uh, of an exit away from the oil sector or natural mm -hmm. resources. Uh, and also part of that is, you know, a legacy issue. So a lot of people handing wealth down to one That's or right. two generations lower and those generations, you know, necessarily or not necessarily sharing the same values that the forefathers That's might right. have had in creating that wealth. Yeah. So its deployment becomes a little bit more That's connected, right. it seems like. And that's one of the trends we've observed, not only in Canada, but also particularly in the U.S., where you've okay. got family offices and family foundations where the third, fourth, fifth generation have very different values. You know, they might have, for example, you know, this is, a, again, a bit of a, a blanket stereotype, but they might have done an internship, for example, in a microfinance institution in Kenya mm -hmm. or in, in India. Yeah. And, you know, they do these things as part of their education or through college or university. And all of a sudden, they are now responsible for this massive wealth transfer down to them. What we've seen is that they think very differently about what it is that they're optimizing for, mm -hmm. the kinds of investments that they are willing to try and test. Right. Um, but also, you know, even step one, who the kind of advisor that they're looking for. Mm. It's not your classic kind of portfolio manager or wealth manager. Right. They are willing to be more creative around, for example, direct investments. Mm -hmm. um, That's an interesting yeah. phenomenon. The yeah. fact that people want to get in bed directly with the companies yeah. that they want to invest in. Because they, they, they've seen it firsthand. Right. And again, the, you know, I'll use my own example where 15 years ago when I kind of first began exploring the space after university, uh, worked for a year in microfinance. So this idea that um, where was that and what this was in and this was in Pakistan. Um, you know, went over there, hadn't really heard of this term microfinance, and mm -hmm. and people wouldn't have to be familiar with it. But really, the basic concept, you know, which which came about or at least was popularized by Mohammed Yunus, who won the Grameen Nobel Prize. Bank, yeah, the Grameen yeah. Bank. So he had this light bulb moment where he basically realized that even the poor have banking needs. Mm -hmm. Which, of course, everyone you know, has banking needs, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah, it's it's interesting to think about that even poor people need a place to save. They may need working capital. They may have emergencies. Um, and so how do they may need insurance? Yeah. How do you make it affordable and practical when you've got small amounts of money where the transaction costs might be relatively high, but you still right. need to price it at a level that is affordable? Yeah. And Not so working, as a barrier to entry to participating in the monetary exactly. system. And, and when you think about many populations in a developing world where they just don't have access to a bank account mm -hmm. or they are not, even if they do have access to a bank account, may not be sure that that bank would exist mm -hmm. you know, in two, five, ten years. Yeah. We've and seen that in Kenya. In exactly. The last lots of, there are lots of examples. A couple of banks going That's right. down. That's right. Not, yeah, and for Even well capitalized, exactly. Yeah. But the idea that in microfinance you can provide even relatively poor people 
with access to products and services that mirror some of the ones we would expect, mm -hmm. obviously at lower maybe um, amounts, and that they can pay back 99% of the time, right. which is the kind of number that gets used often. So anywhere between 95 and 99% of the time. That's much better even than the banking system we have here, which is yeah. it was an interesting light bulb moment 15 years ago to think about, you know, A, this question of what forms of capital are most appropriate to be able to generate right. some kind of positive impact on people and on their communities. Yeah. And then the second part of that question is, how do we know something positive has happened? Yeah, that's what if you give people too much money? measurement, right? Exactly. This idea of actually understanding what kinds of impacts are being kind of had at the individual, at their household, at their community. Because one of the challenges microfinance had many years ago was a lot of money kept getting pushed down hmm. to people. Mm -hmm. And let's say if you haven't had a lot of experience in managing money, right. all of a sudden you can take on a lot of debt. Well, that raises a whole set of questions. I mean, we have these issues here in Canada. On that note, I mean, here I see parallels personally in the whole, you know, tech ecosystem, something that Starwell, yeah, of course, right. is well uh, situated in, in Toronto. Um, and you, we've got this kind of these two, I try and distill them into very simple, like two different perspectives on um, financing early stage startups, specifically mm -hmm. tech startups, where you've got this kind of classic, what has become classicized if that's a word, it's become this uh, this idealized uh, means of of investment. This kind of like venture capital model, yeah. where you know funds need to prove high returns in this kind of semi pyramid scheme model uh, to the LPs and the GPs are looking for deals that will give them ridiculous moonshot yeah. upside. And so anyone selling that story mm -hmm. who has some credible early stage traction or otherwise can you know very quickly. Uh, you know, through a brain fart uh, or ideation stage uh, company, go out and pitch and acquire uh, millions of dollars to then set at work when yeah. the actualization of their vision for whatever that brain fart is or that business um, may actually require a tenth of what they're essentially acquiring. I mean, I would say kind of two things. I think the first is uh, there are there are companies now that are deliberately trying to create value in ways that don't require that, that kind of hockey stick yeah. approach. And, right. and, you know, those are stable companies. They have a part in a portfolio. Also, you know, they can reach certain segments mm -hmm. in a more patient way. So there, you, you have this kind of idea of more patient capital that is looking for not only financial returns, but also some kind of social environmental return. And so that entrepreneurs also enjoy engaging with those kinds of investors and, and that kind of capital because mm -hmm. it frees them up from some of the pressures, you know, that classic VC uh, exactly. funding may, may provide. Exactly. The 100x return. Yeah. I think the flip side of that, though, is even with, you know, if we, we think about that classic like Silicon Valley or Canadian kind of, you know, Silicon Valley uh, of the North, etc., there are still a lot of founders that will take on the classic VC um, money that have expressed some kind of intent to make the world better through their product sure. or service, right? And and if we look all around us, I mean, tech is in every part of our lives. And if you go to the developing world as well, you know, the, the fact that people can now use technology to overcome barriers that historically would have been, you know, insurmountable. Of course. Um, just yeah. basic communication. Right. I mean, that so you're saying example, that there's positive social implications yeah. of 
the mass adoption of technology yeah. for the most part. And there can be negative ones. And so one of the, 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 I think, the current waves, and this is the work that we're doing with Possibilian, okay. is to say, yes, there's, there's a movement to creating new companies that are just set up for positive or environmental impact, you know, businesses, etc. At the same time, can we infuse this idea of impact and can we bake it in to companies that will grow and scale um, and make them better than they otherwise might have been? Right. And so, you know, when those pressures of VC funding, et cetera, come in and they they strip away some of the founder intentions that yeah. maybe, you know, they set up a company to actually make the world a bit better than they found it, uh, inadvertently the pressures of getting certain kinds of capital, certain kinds of advice, how do we mitigate against that? So that's what we're trying to do with Possibilian to say, we've now entered this era with the sustainable development goals, which are a, you know, 17 goals to provide a bit of a roadmap for how the world can address common issues around hunger, poverty, uh, gender inequality, um, inequality in general, mm-hmm. et cetera. Uh, many companies, businesses, investors are trying to align with these goals. Yeah. You know, and, and every country has its own targets that they try and, and, and seek to contribute to. But increasingly, even tech companies are saying, here's our, we want to contribute to actually advancing one of these goals. You know, how do we, what's the role of tech companies in ending poverty? What's mm. the role of tech companies in reducing uh, hunger or improving educational outcomes? And there's not only innovation there, but there's money to be made. Sure. And so with, with Possibilian, one of the things we're trying to do is to say, how do you infuse that kind of ethic of, of impact, but also allow companies to grow and integrate those kind of concepts and principles as they scale? So again, let's take a pause. Uh, yeah. Possibilian yes. is for our listeners, yes. for our viewers. <laughs> so Possibilian is a uh, company as well as a platform that is looking is working with early stage tech companies to not only bring financing but also this idea of impact um, and bake it into how companies grow and scale. And so, so it's a, it's a, like a value added venture capital. Firm? That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and and alongside it, we're doing a lot of work around thinking about what are the types of practices that define kind of companies that both have a values alignment mm-hmm. around some social environmental impact related to the SDGs. At the same time, what is the the type of capital uh, that they need to be able to scale effectively. How are you, in order to find the LPs for that fund, are you guys actively sourcing capital that's uh, aligned with the cultural fit here? I think we're quite broad because we know that there are multiple investor segments that are interested in this area. So right. there there are groups or of potential LPs that are already investing in tech and VC and basically understand some of the challenges of their conventional investments when you think about issues like privacy, like is there some kind of negative impact? So they want to be more aware and cognizant. Right. You've also got this class of impact investors that are interested in deliberately finding companies that have a stated mission you know, to make the world better. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think you have this whole new generation of wealth owners, um, particularly younger, that have inherited some wealth that are thinking about managing their wealth differently right. in that they are looking to create value in ways that align with their own uh, understanding of what the world needs. So whether sure. it's around climate change, affordable housing, um, environmental kind of sustainability, they want to see that reflected in their portfolios. Right. So we, we're we a very good fit, I think, for all of those segments, but each of them has a very different motivation for why they care. 
how for you how does your work uh so let's let's just spell out what your hats are right now yeah. so uh poss- your a venture partner at possibility possibility yes. ventures uh, you're also an educator teaching a class at Oxford University. That's right. So I run an executive education program at uh, the business school at Oxford. So we have um, a new program on impact measurement. So this idea that really all kinds of investments have some type of impact, as well as when we are donating, we're expecting some kind of social impact. So the program is really around helping philanthropists, government, investors, entrepreneurs think about how social value gets created how do you measure it? Who else is measuring? How do you report? How do you make it useful um, in terms of making the right kinds of decisions, either in how you give money away yeah. or how you invest or how you create a company? And so we try and appeal to huh. pretty broad audience. Uh, the first cohort or the first class is completed now? or In July. So it's the first program of its kind. We had 33 people from uh, 20 different countries across a range of different sectors. Wow, congratulations. Uh, That's good. Yeah, went really well. Uh, so we'll run this annually. Um, and also doing how long does the period if someone wants to anyone who's watching or listening wants yeah. to attend this class yeah so it's a week residential okay. um, and it's at uh, at the business school at Oxford it's held um, roughly in July every year okay but there are lots of other opportunities to get some kind of understanding around this stuff so for an example next month I'm teaching in Cape Town excellent uh, so something similar but a two-day program there and you're seeing lots of interest I mean both in the developed world as well as in the developing world around this question of if I'm making an investment or if I'm making a donation, how do I know that there's been some kind of impact? Do you have any recommended reads or places for information for people listening and watching to learn about impact investing, start yeah. thinking deeper about this topic? Yeah. So the, the educator in me is now developing <laughs> a lot of other tools and, and resources. Uh, so I would point your listeners to two of them. Okay. Uh, so particularly for those listeners that either have a a company or think of starting a company or have a nonprofit or charity and mm-hmm. want to learn more about the range of topics. One of my other hats is with the McConnell Foundation. Oh, uh, McConnell is in the buildings at McGill that I knew and loved. That's love. right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that McConnell, uh, they're a pretty large uh, foundation that have done a lot of work in this area. Uh, so they have a program called InnoWeave. So it's just at InnoWeave.ca. Uh, oh, that sounds familiar, yeah. Where you can get access to some basic content um, around a range of topics, including things like uh, social enterprise, impact measurement, cloud computing, you know, hmm. mission, etc. And it provides also uh, some coaching alongside that. So that's one. Uh, the other is a site that uh, myself and a, a former professor of mine, uh, Ted Jackson, who I do a lot of work with in this area, created called, uh, if you just go to evaluatingimpactinvesting.org. <laughs> Evaluatingimpactinvesting.org. That's right. Pretty nice. straightforward. Easy. And it says it all in the title. So we built out uh, 24 different modules um, and topic areas wow. that relate to some of these issues. So what is impact investing? How are different companies thinking about it? How do we look at issues around job quality, gender, um, environment, etc.? So it's structured as an academic syllabus, but it also has presentations, examples, resources, and we've made it all um, open source. That's and fantastic. So the idea there is anybody who's interested can take a look at what we've already presented but certainly for those that are interested in learning more about this stuff or want to even share it, um, we've put it all online. So those are at least huh. two starting points. Those are great starting points, I'm yeah. sure. And of course, uh, Kareem being resident here at Startwell, right. <laughs> um, we should set up some office yeah. hours or some some meet and greets. So if anyone, uh, our members or otherwise, are listening or, or watching this uh, and wants to connect with Kareem, 
uh, reach out to us mm -hmm. at startwell, startwell.org. Uh, drop us an email, info at startwell.org, yeah. to the general inbox. Uh, information is on the website for how to contact us. Yeah. And if you're a member, we can uh, schedule some sit-downs with you. That's right. Right? Yep. And then the other one maybe to, to put a plug for yeah, is plug it. our new, um, with Possibility, we've created a new platform called Venture for Good. Okay. Uh, so if you go to ventureforgood.org, hmm. that's uh, where you'll find some of the what I was talking about in terms of Ventures are now increasingly trying to also understand their role in the world and how they contribute to these larger sustainable development goals. Right. So we've created a platform where ventures can get rated um, on their alignment uh, with these goals. And wow. so part of the motivation there is to say if we help ventures and founders in particular to understand how they're aligning with these goals and how they can talk about their alignment, yeah. uh, that allows the entire ecosystem, you know, investors, intermediaries, entrepreneurs, founders, to, to talk about their positive contributions in the same way as they talk about, you know, how they can create value for yeah, customers. It's just about people doing great things already yeah. and not realizing how to uh, package that, I That's think, right. that story, right? Yeah. And so we want to provide some of these frameworks and tools so that people can self-identify and say, so yeah, actually I've created a company or want to create a company that will have a positive social environmental impact. Mm -hmm. What we do is um, provide a set of tools around how they could express that. So it's not a it's not a consulting practice or anything. It's literally like I go to the website, I type in a bunch of stuff, yeah, and it gives me a rating. So we have a process where you would go through and, and get rated by our fellows and our team. Okay. But then that opens up a you know a conversation. Sure. Around here's what we think based on your public available information. Here's how we've seen others that are comparable in the kinds of you know, business models or company structure that you have. And, and here's how you could get better. That's brilliant. Yeah. And so that's, again, one piece of our contribution to the ecosystem. We think there's a kind of funding and investment piece through the fund. Right. There's an education piece broadly for founders yeah. and for investors. Yeah. And then we also know that a lot of board members are interested in this stuff. Uh, VCs are interested in this, particularly younger uh, wealth holders and, and those that will be the next generation of wealth holders are interested in investing directly in these companies. And so if you're a founder, you'll be smart to think about these issues before you get in front of a potential um, investor, you know, and, and framing the kind of value proposition, not only in the financial side, but also on the impact and social side. Yeah, because it's also another means of assessing traction in terms of the relationships yeah. that, which is just like, to me, this is brand stuff, like the relationship yeah. that companies hold with their customers and their stakeholders. Yeah. Um, and if that's very, very, very strong, yeah. and it has some, has some sustainability baked into it. Exactly. Um, yeah, that's a brilliant thing. And as you've talked about, there are multiple levers, right? You can open up new markets mm -hmm. by having this kind of positioning, so new products or services. You can retain and, and attract employees mm -hmm. better. Yep. This is also around reputation management. Of course. You know, there's a lower chance of things going wrong if you're intentional about addressing yep. these issues. So for a whole bunch of reasons, this makes sense, we think. Uh, there's a lot of academic evidence to, to suggest this, and both for public companies, but increasingly also for, for private ones. And so you know, it, it's an interesting way, I think, both for founders and investors to think about what value creation really means. And when... All the headlines around us are about, you know, the, the 1.5 or 2 degree kind of uh, mark and what that would be for the world. When we see how companies are exploiting people, when we look at the cost of living in cities, you know, environmental degradation. Right. All these things are not just externalities anymore. Like they will affect our commutes, the kinds of work we do, 
that people will care about. And so I think that's really the, the broader value proposition and that capital can actually have a role in not only, you know, addressing some of these issues in a proactive way, but also minimizing some of the harm. Mm-hmm. At the same time, we have to be very clear about how to measure some of this stuff. In the same way as we think about IRRs, what's the equivalent social return on investment? Mm-hmm. So those are some of the kinds of issues that, you know, myself and others are, are trying to work on as well. Brilliant. It's been a pleasure catching up yeah, with you and hearing, fun. Uh, hearing a lot more about some of these thoughts um, and having some resources to go to. So I'm going to dive into that stuff okay. myself. I invite everyone listening and watching to We'll put those links that. up and, and a few others. And Absolutely. Yes, if anyone from the community wants to, to have a quick chat, I'm around. Awesome. Thanks very much. Cool. All right. This is a pleasure. Pleasure. Yeah.